This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. This is Undaunted Life, a man's podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Thompson. Let's get into it. All right, guys, today on our podcast, we got a big subject we're going to be talking about, but we're going to cover a few things before we get into that. The very first thing that I need to do for anybody that listened to last week's episode, we did a Q&A episode, and we did some USC fight predictions. And guys, normally my fight predictions aren't terrible right? They're not completely awful. You know, I'll get fights wrong from time to time. That's a fight game. You technically have 50% chance of getting it right, but you can look really dumb on a fight card. But I did get the prediction for the Brian Ortega and Korean zombie fight correct. I just got the fighter wrong. So I said that that fight was going to be not competitive at all. Because I thought that Brian Ortega, T-City, was going to get dominated by the Korean zombie. I thought he was going to absolutely get destroyed. And he didn't. The exact opposite happened. It was a clean sweep. It was it was a 50-45 fight, maybe even 50-44. He dropped Korean Zombie in the first two rounds. Brian Ortega looked amazing. He is known for his jiu-jitsu. T-City, T is for triangle, like he catches dudes in triangles all the time. But the guy stood up basically the whole fight. He, he shot some takedowns. He completed some takedowns. Uh, but really, he was just kind of like making... Korean Zombie think about a few different things before he would uh, react and go for the next thing. It was a masterful performance. I could not have been more wrong. So if you are a Brian T-City Ortega fan, I would like to apologize to you for for me kind of hating on your guy, thinking he was going to get whooped. Dana White already said he's going to get a title shot next against Alexander Volkanovsky. So congratulations to Brian T-City Ortega. The very next thing is one thing that I didn't do in the last Q&A episode was go into my World Series prediction. Because at the time we had uh, the Rays, they were up three on the Astros and then you know the Astros came back to make it um, force a game seven and then you had the Braves up 3-1 on the Dodgers they thought they were dead and then Dodgers stormed back and won in game seven but here we are as of the recording of this podcast the Dodgers are up like six to one right now uh, Clayton Kershaw's on the mound it's a lead that potentially he can't even blow in the postseason but I will go ahead and give you my prediction for the World Series, as it stood before the game started, I'm picking the Dodgers in seven games. I think the Rays are fantastic. I, th- I think their bullpen is absolutely fantastic. But I think the Dodgers are just an unbelievable team. Mookie Betts being added to that team is incredible. And I just got to be honest with you, they have two of my favorite players in Major League Baseball on their team, and that is Corey Seager, their shortstop, and Clayton Kershaw. To be honest with you, I just kind of want the Dodgers to win this World Series because it kind of counts and kind of doesn't, right? Dodgers didn't have to win a single road game right? There weren't really a bunch of fans in the stands that they basically got comfortable playing down there at Globe Life Stadium in Texas. But at the end of the day, I want Clayton Kershaw to get his ring. I'd love for him to win game one, come back, win game five, pitch and relief in game seven, win the World Series MVP and get that monkey off of his back. But there's my World Series prediction, Dodgers in seven. And here's the other thing. If you listen to last week's episode, I told you that this week's episode was going to be on the Amy Coney Barrett's, uh, you know, nominations and confirmations. Let's start that again. (laughs) Amy Coney Barrett, her confirmation hearings. There we go. I thought that there was going to be more news. 
I mean, frankly, guys, I thought there was going to be more news around this. There was a little bit of hubbub last week with Maisie Hirono basically saying it was incredibly offensive that she would, you know, assume or imply that someone could choose uh, their sexual orientation, which is absolutely insane. But there really wasn't anything that noteworthy, okay? Which is making me think that Democrats have, have... there, there's a couple of things in the offing. Either number one, they understand that resistance is futile at this point. They've already made their statements. They've already got the stuff that they can do for their commercials. Uh, so that's maybe one option. And then the second option is they're planning something absolutely diabolical. But I feel like the diabolical nature of the, the tactics that they are going to be using are pretty much going to be directed at Donald Trump specifically, not necessarily somebody that has an attachment to Donald Trump, like his Supreme Court nominee. However, at this point, There's not a whole lot to report because the voting hasn't actually happened yet. I feel like as we get closer, there's going to be a few kind of finagling things that the Democrats are going to do to try to slow this down, maybe get it to where it happens after the election. I've seen several timelines, but a lot of the timelines show that we could see a vote as early as Thursday of this week. I don't think that's going to happen. I've seen as late as October the 29th or as late as never technically, but I still want to kind of reserve judgment because I feel like there's, there's more coming right? There wasn't as much for for me to bite into that I thought would come from the hearings. Amy Coney Barrett, ACB came off looking incredible during those hearings. Uh, The Democrats came off looking like buffoons. And so we're going to go ahead and reserve judgment. And part of the thing, guys, is there's going to be an interesting schedule for this podcast coming up here soon. Next week, next Thursday, I plan to release uh, episodes about whether you know, reasons to vote for Joe Biden, reasons to vote for Donald Trump. I'm still kind of formulating my thoughts around that. The Amy Coney Barrett stuff is going to be coming when it comes. And so I'll probably release another uh, special episode. This one's being released a little bit early because some of the stuff that I'm talking about is time sensitive. So you're going to get a lot of podcasts over the next two, three weeks, but they're not going to maybe come in the same normal order. And I could even spent this week talking about cancel culture kind of rearing its ugly head. You know, I, I woke up the other day and basically Chris Pratt is trending on trending on Twitter and it's because he didn't want to go to a Joe Biden rally and all the people kind of woke up and realized that Chris Pratt's a Christian and a Trump supporter, or at least a Republican. Um, and so they tried to, you know, cancel him. One person actually said that Chris Pratt radiates homophobic white Christian supremacist energy, which if you got to have an energy, man, you would want that many qualifiers in front of it. My goodness. But, you know, he was uh, potentially canceled 50 cent. You know, he's trying to keep his pennies, you know, see what I did there because he was saying, screw this uh, Trump or sorry, this Biden tax plan that's going to cause me to pay 62% in taxes. If I live in New York or California, he's like, no, I'm out on that. So there's a lot of cancer culture going on right now. But, but the thing that we're going to talk about, let's go ahead and transition into what we're going to talk about today. The, The thing that really does deserve our attention and that's big tech. Big Tech did an egregious thing last week, and what I'm not going to do is go into a big, long explanation of the news story because it's somewhat convoluted, but the reaction to it is the real story, and that's the thing that's really concerning. So if you have been living under a rock for the past several days, I'm obviously talking about the stuff that has come up with Hunter Hunter Biden's laptop, how that uh, attaches to Joe Biden and Ukraine and Burisma and potentially China and all these things. So the the very, very brief synopsis is that Hunter Biden took his laptop into a uh, laptop Mac shop in Delaware uh, with water damage. He left it there. Uh, 
whenever the owner of the shop tried to make contact with him to get it back to him, he never responded. And so the shop owner actually went on there made a copy of the hard drive. Uh, he found some stuff on the hard drive that he found to be very, very concerning. Uh, he tried to get the, the laptop and its contents to different people. He tried to get it to the FBI. The FBI basically said, ah, we don't really care. Uh, he eventually gets it to Rudy Giuliani's lawyer. Uh, Rudy Giuliani at some point gets it to the New York post and the New York post, which is one of the largest newspapers on, on the planet, a gigantic, uh, distribution that's been around for, you know, 200 years or whatever. Um, they actually posted the story about what they found with the emails that were on that computer. There were a lot of emails with Hunter Biden and a Ukrainian oil and gas company named Burisma. You probably heard of that uh, because he was being paid like $50,000 a month to be on the board, even though he doesn't, you know, he's not from the area. He doesn't know anything about oil and gas. Um, and a lot of people just suspected it was so that they could take advantage of his last name and potentially get access to Joe Biden. Well, there's a lot of emails on, on this, uh, on this laptop that kind of point that direction that there were deals that were being done specifically so that Hunter Biden could use Joe Biden's influence or even uh, introduce Joe Biden to some people within Burisma, which at the time Joe Biden was working for the Obama administration and he was in charge of the Ukrainian uh, foreign policy as well as China. And so it would be a gross, grossly uh, horrifically bad and corrupt thing for Joe Biden, uh, to be meddling. Uh, he was meddling with prosecutors supposedly in all these times, but guys, again, this isn't going to be a big recap of the actual story because wherever you get your news, you, you've kind of gotten your spin on the story because the news isn't actually the point. It's the cover up. It's the cover up. That's worse than the crime. Because what happened was, is the New York post put this out on Twitter. And this is gigantic news. The stuff that they found, the emails that they found, it's absolutely gigantic news. It's so gigantic that the Joe Biden campaign won't even answer questions about it. When Joe Biden is almost accidentally asked about it while he's on the campaign trail, he just walks away. His surrogates that go on the news, they're not answering direct questions. They're not saying, yeah, that laptop's fake. Uh, you know, all those emails are, are fake. You know, none of these things actually happened. They're actually not even saying any of those things. Okay. The media has even jumped in to say this is some sort of a Russian disinformation plan or something like that. But even the director of national intelligence, John Ratcliffe, came out here recently. He actually said this, quote, let me be clear. The intelligence community doesn't believe that that, you know, the Russians are behind this because there is no intelligence that supports that. And we shared no intelligence with Chairman Schiff, that's Adam Schiff of California, and other members of Congress that Hunter Biden's laptop is part of some Russian disinformation campaign. It's simply not true. Um, and so that's the thing is, is everyone's kind of doing their own spin of it. But the, the craziest thing is the reaction to this. Okay. Cause big tech, and I'm mainly talking about Google, Facebook, and Twitter, you know, Google owns YouTube, Facebook owns Instagram. So the main ones, they absolutely throttled this story. They didn't want you to see this story. And the, the reasons for it are fairly obvious. But Facebook was kind of the first people to come out. Uh, there is a guy named Andy Stone that works for Facebook. He is a career Democratic Party operative. Uh, he worked for Barbara Boxer and some other people. He actually tweeted, again, he works for Facebook, but he tweeted, while I will intentionally not link to the New York Post article. I want to be clear that this story is eligible to be fact-checked by Facebook's third-party fact-checking partners. In the meantime, we are reducing its distribution on our platform. Now, at no point does he post why they are reducing the distribution or that the fact-check, the supposedly third-party fact-check, came back to say that there was a lot of things that were wrong with the story. At no point do they claim that the New York Post was lying. At no point did they claim that the New York Post was misreporting things. At no point. 
But they openly say that they are going to be throttling, reducing the distribution of that story on the platform. And then you've got Twitter's actual reaction to this. And this was all over the place. Hopefully you saw it. But you were not allowed to share the article on Twitter. So a lot of people did screenshots of this. But if you pulled out Twitter and you went to New York Post and you went to that article and then you hit the Twitter button, right, to share it on Twitter, it wouldn't allow you to tweet it out. It would give you an error message. And a lot of times if you tried to share it around with any of your other friends or share it on other social media sites, it wouldn't let you do that. Twitter actually locked the New York Post's Twitter page. It still is actually locked because they're demanding that Twitter take down these, these tweets. And, but they're not saying it's because the tweets are incorrect or that they're spouting lies or fake news. That's not it. They, they blocked Kaylee McElhaney. That, that's the uh, uh, Trump's you know, press, press secretary, right? They, they blocked her Twitter because she was talking about the story and trying to share the story. Now, Twitter was claiming that the story that the New York Post put out uh, violated their hacked materials policy, okay, which states this, quote, commentary on our discussion about hacked materials, such as articles that cover them, but do not include or link to the materials themselves, unquote. So Twitter is claiming that this was hacked material, but it wasn't hacked material. It was openly on a laptop that was handed to a guy at a Mac shop. This wasn't hacked. But the funny thing about this, and a lot of people have pointed this out, what about WikiLeaks? I mean, Twitter has basically made WikiLeaks famous and spreading the things that WikiLeaks, even the the things that WikiLeaks lies about. They put that out there. That is clearly hacked material, but it doesn't somehow violate the hacked materials policy. It's kind of weird. And and they went a little further. They have other policies that say this. It prohibits the use of our service to distribute content obtained without authorization because it said that they don't want to incentivize hacking by allowing Twitter to be used as a distribution for possibly illegally obtained materials. But that opens up a can of worms because do you remember what, two weeks ago when Trump's tax returns were put out there, right? You know, we've been waiting for four years about his tax returns and we get his tax returns and we basically find out that he's in debt and he's not nearly as rich as everyone thought he was, which... I mean, if you didn't see that coming, I got a bridge in Brooklyn, I can sell you. But at that point, it's like, do you think that was given with his authorization? I happen to remember every blue checkmark Democrat on on Twitter sharing that story around. That that was clearly content that was not authorized. I mean, and just think about every other anonymously sourced news story, those which are typically bad for people on the right. You know, you think about this, you're not getting these anonymously sourced news stories that make Joe Biden look bad. It's just news stories, right? But that's the thing that's so interesting about that is there's so much material that is obtained, quote unquote, without authorization that never goes and hurts anybody, right? According to them. And so it's because it's people that are on behalf of the ideas that they like. And so it's very interesting to me that a lot of people that find themselves that are left of center, they don't really trust evil corporations right? That, but like that, but they're all too happy to watch Twitter and Facebook and Google, you know, basically throttle a story like this because it helps someone that's on their side of the aisle. That, that's kind of the main point. And I think this brings up some of the conversation again about whether these social media sites can continue to, to get along or get, get away with pretending that they are a plat or a uh, publisher and, or sorry, a platform and not a publisher. Because again, as a platform, you're basically saying, Hey, you know, anyone can use our site for whatever reason. And, you know, we're not liable for things that are said on the site. Whereas a publisher is liable. If you're a news source and you publish something that is libelous, you could be sued for that. 
And so this is bringing that up. Uh, Twitter has kind of gone, gone back and they're trying to, uh, you know, change some of their, some of their regulations. And they're saying, you know, Jack, the CEO of Twitter, Jack Dorsey came out and he was like, yeah, you know, we didn't really handle that situation. This is unacceptable, but you know, it doesn't really seem like this has hurt anybody other than people that are on the right. Like this is hurting people. This is like an in-kind donation to the Joe Biden campaign because they've throttled this story. And it's just one of those things that it's, it's a very, very concerning situation. Because social media is so important to everyone's lives and it has inculcated just about every square inch of real estate in people's brains. But guys, this will be a little bit of a shorter podcast, but I do want to go into a few reasons why this is a massive deal. Because some people, as soon as they started getting into the details of this deal, they're like, oh man, it's like their head started to hurt. It's like, I just can't, I can't focus long enough to even wrap my mind around what exactly is happening. Like I can't even spell Burisma. So why does this actually matter? And I'm going to tell you why this matters. Okay. I'm going to give you four reasons. Number one, the reason this is a massive deal is because of the opinion forming that is going on. These social media companies control the news, the air quotes, scare quotes, whatever quotes news you consume. Okay. So they're also in control of the opinions that you choose. Because if you think about it just generically, if you don't ever hear contrary opinions on a subject matter, you're going to be more enticed to go with the other opinion. So if you've only seen video, I always use this example. If you've only seen video of LeBron James playing basketball and someone asks you who's greater LeBron James or Michael Jordan, you might think that LeBron James is better because you don't know anything about Michael Jordan. You haven't seen anything about Michael Jordan right? So your opinion would be that LeBron James has clearly got to be the goat because this MJ guy, he didn't have as many points or didn't have as many of this or that. And, you know, championships aren't that big a deal or something like that. But that's the problem when you have a situation like what we're seeing here. So back in 2018, the Pew Research Center did a a study and they said uh, about two thirds, a little over two thirds, actually, of adults, U.S. adults get their news from social media, two thirds. So about uh, 43% of those people get it from Facebook, 21% of those people get it from YouTube, which is again owned by Google, and about 12% of those people get it from Twitter. And I got to be honest, I get a lot of my news from Twitter. I at least get my start. I get my breaking news from Twitter, right? And then I start looking at other sources. But the overwhelming majority of people are forming their opinions based on things that they've read on social media. And also they get their opinions based on the headlines of things that are posted from social media. Perhaps that's just a thing that's downstream of, of Twitter, you know, the 140 characters now 280 characters. It's just, you basically get the, the bite size nugget and you don't actually click on the link for the article. And then you might just read the lead of the article. You might just read the first paragraph or two and buried in paragraph 11 is the actual truth of the article. But again, you just read the headline. So you never got there and you'll say it's cause you don't have enough time or whatever the thing, the situation is there. But at the same time, they're forming your opinions. Because these algorithms that are showing you this, this information or keeping information from you is helping to form your opinion. Like again, one of the things, one of the subject matters that is throttled constantly on social media is the truth about abortion. The statistics around abortion, including why women get abortions. The overwhelming majority of women aren't getting abortions because they were raped by an uncle, right? They're, they're not getting abortions because of some sort of incestuous thing, right? It's overwhelmingly because of convenience, because they just want to kill the baby, whatever the situation is there. But at the same time, you're not getting a lot of that, that, that subject matter. You're not getting a lot of those facts. You're not seeing a lot of pictures 
distributed across social media of dead babies, of 25-week-old babies that are in pieces because they were sucked out piece by piece by an abortionist. And so something like social media is framing the opinions of people by keeping that information away from them, by making it harder to find in search terms. You know, people that were trying to find more information like neutral, just straight up news information about the Hunter Biden story, were having trouble finding it on Google. And you guys might be just like me. It's kind of hard for you to go past that first page of Google. It doesn't matter if you get 10 million, you know, potential pages that can help you with your research. You know, you're going to read three, four, maybe five articles. You're not even going to get to page two. And so if the real information is on page three or four, you'll never get there. And so again, this is a massive deal because these big tech companies are in charge of forming opinions for people. And the second reason why this is a massive deal is because this is clear election meddling. This is so clearly election meddling because this is taking two weeks before the general election. That's why people have said that, you know, some people are like, this is a nine figure contribution to the Joe Biden campaign. Some people are saying that, which might be hyperbolic, but it's certainly worth millions and millions of dollars because of the bad press that they're avoiding. Because we already know the mainstream media, right? So let's, let's look at big tech is over here. Mainstream media is over here. The mainstream media is not going to make the Joe Biden campaign answer to this at all. We know that. We have the uh, last uh, debate that's going to be happening, uh, really only the second debate here on Thursday, and they've already changed the the lineup of the questions, okay? They were originally going to talk about foreign policy, which is a good thing for Donald Trump because his foreign policy has frankly been pretty awesome. But obviously, if you're talking about foreign policy, you're going to have to ask Joe Biden about his Ukrainian dealings and the stuff that went on with his son, Hunter Biden. But they all of a sudden have changed it, and that's no longer something that's going to be discussed at the debate. How interesting. So we already know the mainstream media is in the bag for Joe Biden and all the Democrats, but now you, you, you know that big tech is in there because if this was a horrifically bad story about Eric Trump or Donald Trump Jr. or uh, Melania or Ivanka or anyone else in Trump's family, and there were direct ties to corruption to Donald Trump, this would be all anyone would be talking about. Twitter would be putting it at the top of your feed. Facebook would be uh, increasing the number of shares, right? All of those things would be going on to be on the first page on Google. And so to say that this isn't clear election meddling is to, to stick your head in the sand. There's no way it's not. And that should be concerning to you because these, these tech companies are overwhelmingly left. So, so again, obviously I'm, I'm more conservative. I'm on the right. We, we've all been through that, but you would hope people at these companies would be a little bit closer to the center. But it is overwhelmingly, especially if you look at the, the amount of money that they donate to campaigns and donated to Joe Biden this year, donate, donated to Hillary Clinton four years ago, they're overwhelmingly left-leaning, overwhelmingly liberal. And these are the people that are creating the algorithms. See, because people, they say dumb things like, hey man, you know, the, their employees didn't choose the stories. It's the algorithm that chose the story that you saw. Well, who programmed the algorithm? Dummy? Like, oh, what, what are you talking about? Of course this matters. Because you're not programming something and it all of a sudden becomes sentient, right? You have to put the information in on the front end. You're telling it what to learn. You're telling it what to listen to. And that will obviously be biased. So something like this is incredibly damaging. And if you want free and fair elections and a free and fair press, this is a massive, massive deal. So opinion forming, election meddling. The third reason why this is a massive deal is because of the quote unquote fact checkers. So we've heard about this. This was part of this story as well. Oh, we're going to wait to see what the fact checker checkers have to say. 
but they always want to say it's something like, you know, nonpartisan or bipartisan fact checkers or something like that, or moderate or neutral fact checkers. Guys, there's no such thing. There's no such thing. Everyone has bias. Everyone. You have a bias towards this or that. You prefer that over this. That, that, that's how it goes. And the interesting thing about these fact checkers is a lot of these people will have like PolitiFact in their name, even though PolitiFact is a very left-leaning organization, but they have a really, really good name. They're like, oh, where should I go for politics, uh, for fact-checking and politics? Oh, PolitiFacts.com, right? That's great. But the fact checkers are people that think just like the big tech companies. So when Facebook does a fact check on hydroxychloroquine or on this COVID story or, or on this story about Ukraine, that's, they're, they're giving warm fuzzies to the people that already align with them. And for dumb people, for dumb people that are like, well, I don't know if I believe that. So, oh, look, there's a stamp stamp right there. says it's been fact checked by a third party fact checker. Guess I can believe this now. And so that's the concerning thing is they're rewriting what truth is. These, these organizations that we've given so much of our lives and so much control over the things that we buy and the things that we look at and the things that we think, frankly, and who we interact with, we're also, we're also, you know, outsourcing to them truth. We want them to give us truth. Why do you believe that story? Uh, Cause Facebook said it was true. I don't know if you saw over the weekend, but the Joe Biden folks that actually went on the news and had to answer questions about this. They basically said, Hey, you know, Twitter said that it was, it was a false story. So that's what we're going with. Wait, what? Twitter, a social media site says that the story that you have yet to deny is fake news. It's false or or it's at least something we're looking into. And you're going off of that. And there's no follow-up question from the journalist. So again, we're outsourcing truth to these people. And that should be a very, very concerning thing to you. But guys, all of this is leading somewhere. And every time I do a podcast like this, it might seem like I'm ranting. It might seem like, oh, this is a right-wing conspiracy or whatever. And I told you over and over, I'm not really a conspiracy guy, but I can kind of read the tea leaves and see where things are going. And you combine that with, you know, more of my pessimistic outlook on life in general. This is kind of where you end up. But I want you to remember me saying what I'm about to say as we move forward, especially if we move forward into a Joe Biden, uh, you know, Kamala Harris type of country. If, if the, the Senate goes blue, you know, if things keep turning the way that they go. So why this is massive deal is opinion forming election meddling fact checkers in this last part here. If they can censor the news, they will do the same with the gospel. Let me say that again. If they can censor the news, they will do the same with the gospel. Guys, we already live in one of the biggest power grabs we've, we've ever experienced with COVID. We've had your mayor, you know, your representative, your governor is taking your rights away from you. Not, not the things you like to do, your rights. They're taking them away from you to keep you safe because big brother knows better, right? Governor knows better. Senator knows better, right? You don't actually need to do the thinking for yourselves. You don't actually need to weigh the risk yourselves because we got you. We understand this. And one of the things that they attacked immediately are faith-based organizations. John MacArthur is still basically in a staring contest with the state of California for keeping his church open. You know, you have the governor of Michigan over the weekend. Uh, she was basically saying, hey, if you want to get back to church, make sure that you vote for Joe Biden. 
right? And she essentially just straight up said that, that basically vote for Joe Biden. And then I'll go ahead and relax all these, these, uh, draconian measures I've taken on the state and its people. Don't worry about it. I'll, I'll let y'all go back to church, but just think about it. Think about what I was talking about earlier. Because the pro-life cause is obviously something that agrees with the Judeo-Christian worldview, right? Pro-life in terms of abortion. So you, you can't really be a Christian and be pro-choice in any way, shape, or form, right? That just means you're not a Christian. You don't actually believe in the tenets of the Bible. You don't believe in the Mago Day, right? But the gospel is a message that is currently something that can be spread on Instagram. You can, you can tweet about it. But the thing about it is, is if they're going to attack your political opponents, or, or sorry, you know, someone that you like politically, right? If they're open to doing that type of a thing, then why wouldn't they throttle you trying to share the news of the gospel, the good news? You know, why wouldn't they throttle when you share a link to invite people to come to church online with you? Why wouldn't they throttle if you use hashtag Jesus, Jesus saves? Like, why wouldn't they throttle that? And at the end of the day, I've talked a lot about how churches and church leaders and pastors specifically are impotent now. They don't, they're very effeminate. They're not really guys that we want to really align with. But again, at the end of the day, you show up in the church and you should probably hear the gospel. But with church attendance is declining and continues to decline as it does in the West, which includes the United States, for the West, where are people going to get the good news? Because if they're not coming to church, are they getting it from you? Maybe, hopefully, but we have to be concerned about what big tech is going to do about some of this information, because not only can they throttle news that they don't like, they can elevate quote unquote news that they do like. So they can elevate stories about how Jesus was, you know, a myth. He wasn't even a real person. He never actually lived. He's not even a historical person. Those all of a sudden start showing up on the first page of Google results. And Again, I don't want this to come off seeming like some sort of of a conspiracy thing, but at the end of the day, you have to reckon with this and realize that this is a real possibility. And we've already seen pieces of this, right? And at, and we've already talked about, and, and you certainly know this, that we were not guaranteed an easy road being a Christian. We knew persecution was going to be coming our way. But did most of you think it was going to happen from Facebook? Because I remember being there when Facebook started. I remember kind of going around and, you know, we're running into different rooms in the door and we're like, oh my gosh, I'm on Facebook now. Oh, do you want to be my friend? You want to be a friend? I remember that. It was such an innocent little thing. And now it's everything. It's your news. It's your shopping cart. It's your connection to your family. I have family members that have only seen my son through Facebook. They've never actually held him. They've never actually seen him in person. These social media sites have so much power and they've granted us so much power. And if you're not on them, you're considered outside of, of society to a certain degree. There's so much power with them, and we have to maintain some semblance of control, not only over our own lives, but over these organizations, because they already know so much about us. But again, the thing that's scariest to me, the, you know, obviously the opinion forming, the election meddling, the fact checking, that's something that, that I can keep an eye on, right? That's something that I can point out when I see it. But it's coming for the gospel next. It's coming for the church. It's coming for its leaders. It's coming for your family. We have to be vigilant. 
All right, guys, before we let you go, we are going to do a quick resilience boost. As you know, by now we are a men's ministry and our mission is cultivating manly resilience. Specifically, we do that by providing content that helps you forge spiritual, mental, and physical toughness. So for today, I've got an article for you from The Intercept. So I had some guys share this with me, but it's called Facebook and Twitter cross a line far more dangerous than what they censor. And so uh, this is a, a lengthy article, but it gets into the details, but also some opinions as to why this was such a damaging thing that happened. So I think it's an interesting read for you. All right, guys, thanks so much for listening to the podcast. I really do appreciate it. If you would, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or Stitcher, and refer your friends to listen and share this on social media. Guys, if we deserve a five-star review, please leave us five stars and a few sentences letting us know why you like the content. I'm currently booking speaking engagements for the remainder of 2020 and the beginning of 2021. So if you want me to come speak at your men's event, at your church, at your business, hit me up, info at undaunted.life. That's the email, I-N-F-O at undaunted.life. The website is www.undaunted.life. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at undauntedlife or facebook.com backslash undauntedlife. Check out our free devotionals on the YouVersion Bible app. Just search Undaunted Life under plans. And as always, we want to thank the band August Burns Red for allowing us to use their entire music library for our content. The intro outro track on this podcast is our song Defender, which is off their latest record entitled Guardians. The links are in the description. I'm your host, Kyle Thompson. Remember, keep cultivating manly resilience, keep forging spiritual, mental, and physical toughness, keep seeking the Lion of Judah. I need